We're going to be positive every day. You're the people being negative. You and some of the fans. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door, and Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. And if you expect them to walk through the door, they're going to be gray and old. And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yashramski booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. <laughs> Thank you to the, the dynamic duo he tried to say of Rick and Al. Uh, my name is Mike Irons. Welcome to ET. This week's phrase that pays is accountability. Uh, Patrick Scartelli of the 15net.com is here along with Dan Staley. Dan joined us on the last podcast and he's, uh, he's evidently a glutton for punishment. So he's going to join us again. And Brother John's here. Um, I'll start off with you, Scartzi. A lot has happened in the two weeks since our last podcast. You labeled it silly season. And the mediates among us continue to show us their worst and step on their own dicks. Does the race to the bottom ever end? It, it, it does not look like the race ever ends. It looks like we're just going to be doing this until the, until the universe reaches heat death and we're all just stuck in this, you know, terrible, terrible loop here. It's, it's, I said it was, you know, a silly season, but it's silliness without being fun or funny or entertaining, except for a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the listeners who are just, you know, masochistically hanging in there. I, I don't like it. I wish to, you know, register my disapproval. Noted. It's a, it is a race to the bottom. Dan, um, why, why is everyone so surly that covers the Patriots? What you know, almost to a man, they're surly. You know, I don't have an answer for it. I, I say the same thing I say each time that there must be something profitable in uh, going to the bottom, sinking to the bottom. Uh, evidently, not if you work for WEI, but we'll get to that in a minute. I'll tell you what, I, I, I've always had some sympathy for them. I've always thought, you know, Belichick is kind of a tough beat, you know, there's, but I, I think there's trade off. It's been, the best story for the past 20 years they've they've been a superior product to cover um their seasons always ran into january sometimes and um, very often into february and for 20 years they were the national story which you know that helped their careers as well that gave a lot of these guys national profiles so they had 20 years of red meat right. while say their brethren in buffalo or cleveland were spending their decembers writing about coaching changes or or, or their <laughs> upcoming draft positions so now, yeah, and, let, and unless your after, name is Greg Bedard, that's lined your pockets, or it should anyway. Yeah, that's right. So now, after twenty years of that, they they say Belichick needs to be accountable for one seven and nine season in a global pandemic. Yeah, the the, the account accountability being demanded from an industry that offers none, John. Uh, I feel like we could. It's Groundhog Day every day. It's I, I labeled it a race to the bottom, but I think the last two weeks since we recorded, it's it's like. It's a never-ending black hole of joylessness and gaslighting. It's It keeps getting worse, and it's getting worse probably leading up into free agency and into the draft. The ability uh, for the media to, and, and, and I'll say most of the media, there are some bright lights out there. Uh, we might talk about Jeff Howe a little bit later. Um, you know, these Some of these guys are, are trying to find interesting storylines that are not about gaslighting, that are not about uh, negativity, but you know, the, the business model is out there. The negativity is what they're going for, especially on the radio. Uh, all of these guys, I think they feel personally slighted because Bill Belichick has, you know, been dunking on him for 20 years. They've been calling for the end of the dynasty for over a decade. They've been wrong for over a decade. Mm -hmm. They take being wrong personally. And they are just sitting back waiting for their moment to, to throw some dirt over Belichick. And uh, one, as, as Dan said, one seven to nine season, uh, which, you know, ironically, I think was one of Belichick's better coaching jobs in the grand scheme of things, given what they lost and what they had to overcome during the season. Um, you know, it's that it's it really isn't entertaining. You know, to Scarcy's point, this stuff isn't entertaining. What's entertaining is finding the interesting storyline, zigging when when others are zagging and, you know, coming up with with compelling content. You know, the 
the stuff that you know we're going to talk about a little bit later on it's it's just it's just absolutely the worst of sports media and we're we're mm-hmm. unfortunately in boston we just get way more we punch way above our weight when it comes to bad media that's that is perfectly put um example a for the prosecution your honor is gary tangway gary tangway desperately and i mean desperately wants our attention so let's talk about ben volan uh, Volan appeared over the weekend on WEI on the, <clears throat> the Ken and Curtis show. And I, we've got some audio here. The um, other KNC. Yeah, the other KNC, for sure, Scarzi. And I'll apologize in advance for inflicting these punchable voices that aren't ours. Um, again, this is Volan on the Ken and Curtis show Saturday, this past Saturday on WEI. Here's the audio. What about Belichick? Where is he? Where is Belichick? Where is Kraft? Curtis is very concerned that the Pats have taken to PR spin, as he describes it, through their media wings, talking about how aggressive they're going to be, spending money, uh, all this uh, chatter we've heard through the through the media this last two weeks. Where are they? Why aren't they talking? That's, that's a great question. They've been hiding from the public and hiding from accountability, and uh, I've requested th- from the Patriots, can we talk to Belichick? Can we talk to Kraft? And with Belichick, I was met with, well, he never talks this time of year, so you're not going to get him. So I'll stop it there. Scartsy. You had a tweet regarding this. That's the answer. The accountability industrial complex, this mittens losing uh, dullard, attacking to John's point that he just made, looking for any opening to take a steaming dump on him. The the arrogance just oozes through, comes out in his voice. It very much does. It's, It's infuriating. The, he like he answered his own stupid, pointless question. You're not going to talk to Bill this time of year because Bill does not talk to the media this time of year. Period. End of sentence. We'll see you at the coach's breakfast when you can, you know, film the uh, you can film the uh, empty table where his yeah, uh, name tag is. Yeah. Have Bill drink a bill. Again, we're close friends. Have Bill drink his orange juice, that sort of thing. I'm going to continue on with this because it gets worse. It's true that, you know, 29, 30 teams at the combine always do press conferences with their coach and GM, but not the Patriots because they're better than everyone else and they don't have to. So Belichick's not going to talk. And then I said, okay, well, what about Kraft? We haven't heard from him in a long time. And I was met with, well, isn't that a, why do you want to talk to him about the football team? I was like, I don't know. Cause he's the owner and he signs the checks. They and, said that. Why yeah. do you want to talk to him? Yeah. About the wouldn't, football team? wouldn't you want to talk to the football people about what's going on? I said, yeah, but I mean, he's the, he's the first guy on the podium to hold up the Lombardi trophy when they win Super Bowls. I, I mean, I would love. I mean, that audio, I mean, Volan honestly thinks that he's a member of the globe spotlight team. He, he you know, he pictures himself <laughs> and he's Michael Keaton in spotlight, right? I'd argue John that he's a member of the globe, not bright team. It's, you know, I think the the best medicine right now, because, you know, Scarty calling it silly season, I think is a compliment to these guys. That's like, that's as nice as you can put it. You know, silly, there's almost, silly makes you smile. None of these guys make you smile, unless I think you laugh at it a little bit. And, you know, listening to some of the comments, you know, PR spin to convince fans that they're going to spend money. I mean, the league mandates you spend money. You know, there is there are rules in the league that you have to spend to a certain percentage of the cap. So 89 percent over Patriots, a three year period. Right. Right. The, the idea the Patriots aren't going to spend money is a joke. Right. You know, hiding from the public and hiding from accountability. I mean, everything about pro athletes in a, in a professional sports franchise is about accountability. They are measured on wins and losses. Right. The media is measured on what clicks. You know, they're measured on on you know, how much they get trolled. It looks like they get, they're measured on how much they get trolled on social media based on some of the recent returns from some of these tweets. So placement windshield sales, maybe (laughs) they are, they are measured. Owner supplements and auto glass. That's your target audience. Yeah. I mean, so it's like everything about their comments is completely absurd in an Alice in Wonderland sort of way. And I think I think like what this is for us, it's an opportunity to kind of laugh at some of that, to kind of make bring some levity to it. And by the way, I will say I look at I look at my feed on Twitter and, and some of the comments that, that these trolls are getting. We're not alone here. Like there's there's a lot of people who do think like us. They do see it. And I, I know there's an, obviously an audience for the negativity. But I, I do feel heartened over the last couple of months where I've been paying, you know, much closer attention to some of these guys. I think. 
I think we're kind of like the, the semi-silent majority on this. You know, I think there's a lot of people who see through the negativity and the gaslighting, Mike, and, and they're, they're sick of it too. They're looking for other outlets to, to, you know, to enjoy this team the way we do. Yeah. I, I, and I have to apologize. I feel like I've dragged you down into this, this swamp of takes that, that make me crazy, but that's part of the reason why we're doing this. Dan, Wither Volan, please help me out. <laughs> well, I want to point out that uh, not answering to Volan, I wouldn't exactly call that a character flaw. <laughs> you know, it's quite the opposite, actually. Yeah, that's, not, that's how I would try to mark my friends. What do you think of Ben Volan? Okay, you're, you're on the good side. <laughs> actually, if they say, who is Ben Volan, that's even better. That's true. Uh, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm not even going to bother to play the rest of the audio because it's predictably and increasingly dull. There's it, it, no let, way let about me, it. Let, let me just say the last thing I think before you cut away from it, you know, the Patriots don't do their interviews at the combine like 30 other teams because they think they're better than everybody else. They are better than everybody else. They, <laughs> ha they, they have been for 20 years. Like, Maybe other teams should do what the Patriots are doing. Maybe other teams shouldn't be, you know, showing everything off at the combine, trying to win the off season and play footsie with their, their local media. Maybe they should be more like what the Patriots are doing. Maybe Bill Belichick is showing these guys, this is how you treat the media. This is how you keep things in house and you run a, an operation in a winning sort of fashion and you build a winning culture for the long term because you're not talking to idiots like Ben Volan. I mean, maybe that's the maybe fucking that's that is the blueprint. They throw that phrase around blueprint. Maybe that's the blueprint to have a successful organization. So I want to pivot from the idiocy of Volan on WEEI. And I can't believe that that dullard actually set the agenda for the talk in the early this uh, early this week. Tom Curran, in a true shank heel turn, has an article that's titled, let me pull it up here. It's time for Bill Belichick to step to the mic. All right, so he's trampolining off of Ben Volan's appearance on Saturday. He said on Twitter he didn't hear it, which is, and then he kind of downgraded sports radio, which is interesting considering that he appears regularly on sports radio. But that's neither here nor there. Um, the piece hits some, it has some of the greatest hits. I mean, this is truly Shank-like. And as someone who, who always read Curran, respected him, thought he was you know, smart and, and, and a pretty good writer, he throws, here's a couple of phrases. Um, Belichick won't be heard from, quote, then, unless he does some one-offs with media friends of Bill, he probably won't speak again until the start of training camp. He has questions. Okay. He has questions. Why, why do they think they're entitled to answers just because he has questions, Scarzi? They, it's, uh, it's all, you know, it's posturing. It's, uh, it's, you know, hold me back, hold me back, you know, to all their buddies in the press showing that, well, boy, if Bill was here, boy, I would pepper him with tough questions. You know, he'd be yeah, going up the against the big guns. Yeah. Yeah, that's Albert Breer's line about bringing the big guns in back in the day. Again, the Globe, uh, the Globe Spotlight team, that sort of thing. So, what's the the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. He current acknowledges that even if Bel Belichick had a press conference, what is he going to give you? He's going to do what's in the best interest of the football. I can, you and I, the four of us, could probably give standard boilerplate answers for what Belichick would, would tell these guys. John, what, what's, I mean, Curran's descent into the hot take, I mean, we all got to pay the bills. I get it, right? I might have a working theory that Tom Sr. has cut him off. Evidently, the team's cut him off because his bitterness towards the team comes out increasingly on, on his podcast, in his writing, on his TV hits. So it, it, it's a little bit, I don't know, the word's not distressing, but it's, it's kind of sad to see what's happening. Maybe there's a shelf life on that job um, for covering a team without becoming a hackneyed, you know, bitter, bitter guy. Yeah. It, I mean, this article th that you're referring to with the, the list of questions, it, even by his recent low standards, I was surprised at how bad it was. I mean, to, to write several questions thinking that you're going to relitigate uh, the Brady contract, the Garoppolo trade, 
you know, did, did the team make the right, I mean, you know, first of all, no, no coach, I don't think any coach is really going to spend, even dumb coaches aren't going to spend time relitigating that sort of stuff, but nothing about the Patriots culture makes you think that Bill Belichick is going to look backward like that and waste time looking backward when, you know, you've got so much to look forward to. I mean, so much to, to focus on looking ahead. I mean, why would he, why would he subject himself to any sort of, you know, so, so that's just theater. That's just performance art for Curran, you know, to, like you said, kind of flex for whether, you know, the radio guys or, you know, the, the, the negativity that he's, that he's got kind of harbored within, you know, you mentioned, you think Tom seniors cut him off and the team's cut him off. My theory has been, he's, you know, he's working with Tom senior on either the Brady biography, Brady bio, auto, you know, ghostwrite the Brady autobiography or some book about maybe raising a champion son, you know, my book with Tom senior, <laughs> you know, if right. he can't get the, if he can't get the Tom junior book written, he's going to write the, the Tom senior book on parenting a champion, that sort of thing. Um, maybe for a new generation (laughs) it's gonna be you know that that's all all the eggs are in the you know he he cast his lot with tom senior uh he he went against uh the family if you will and uh and bill belichick corleone is is just not interested in letting them uh sleep anywhere but with the fishes at this point i think tom is tom hagan he's out yeah you're out tom dan uh dan i know you've kind of you follow this stuff very closely. Um, I know you have a, a cordial kind of, uh, you're cordial with current, let's put it that way. Um, yep. Your view on what's happened, maybe not just specifically with current, but kind of the, the view from 30,000 feet on covering the team overall. Oh, with current, I'm disappointed because I, I, I do like the guy. I think for a lot of his career, he's tried to play it straight. He's tried to go for, you know, play it down the middle and, and be fair to both sides of, of a situation. But this article has some questions that are, they're just ludicrous. I mean, they're things that we, we look at them and we know, first of all, what Belichick wouldn't answer some of them, but there's good reason for it. You know, he starts talking about some of the players. He's not going to be uh, baited into bad-mouthing Nikhil Harry or Sonny Michelle or Isaiah Wynn. Uh, and there's other things in here that he's not going to answer just because of uh, you know, competitive advantage. You don't want to give anything away. If like, oh, this is this is the direction that we're thinking about with the draft. You go, well, no, we're not happy with Stidham. So, <laughs> is he going to say those things? That's the thing that got me. Is like, you you really want him to give away to reveal his plans? Really? I mean, you're asking this. Everything in this piece, the questions that he has, is just posing. It's it's uh, the old thing about writers not writing for their audience; they're writing for each other. That sort of thing. Um, here's a couple of the questions that Tom has in his piece. How come you let the tight end position go unaddressed in the draft last year? How much patience remains for the development of Nikhil Harry in your program? Same question for Jarrett Stidham. Will you pick up Isaiah Wins or Sony Michelle's fifth-year options? Are you entertaining trade offers for Steph Gilmore? Would you extend him? Those aren't going to get answered. And you know what? Belichick shouldn't answer those questions. Coach Kangal might answer those questions. And he won a Super Bowl by accident. That's neither here nor there. Um, I just, I don't understand what what this piece is trying to accomplish other than, I guess, clicks, Scarcy. That's that's all. If if all you have is a uh, Twitter account, all you see is clicks. It's like, you know, having a hammer, I guess. No, oh, there's a hammer. There's a hammer that writes at WEI. Am I overreacting this? Is this, is... I, I found this really, really dis- disappointing and, and almost Andy Hart level tripe. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think, like you said, it's a Shank like heel turn. You wouldn't, you wouldn't expect anything different from Shank um, on something like this. I mean, this is what he's, he's kind of built his career around, especially over the last couple of decades. But you, you know, to Dan's point, Curran was a guy who was like a lead beat writer, a lead thought leader on the team, right? And uh, and a guy who played it straight. And to see him kind of fall into this sort of shank level, you know, performance art where I I like what you said, you know, he's writing for the fellow writers. I mean, who is he? That's really his audience. Like everybody, everybody who's paying attention, who follows the team, who's enjoyed this run knows that not only, as you said, Bill Belichick isn't going to answer those questions. He shouldn't answer those questions. So is Tom writing for the, the, less informed patriot casual fan who who really wants to see sparks fly and is more interested in following the nfl and follow the team for the soap opera aspect 
you know, for, for those fans, I mean, you know, the way, the way a lot of people follow the NBA because it's such an interesting soap opera. I mean, is that, is that the audience? Is that what they're going for? Maybe they feel like that generates more clicks. Maybe they see, maybe they see web traffic around the NBA and what moves the needle for the NBA. And they hope the NFL would start to look more like that. Maybe that's the plan. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving too much credit and overthinking it, but I read this stuff and I'm like, yeah, no, this is, this is not what you would expect from a guy who was a thought leader and kind of a leading beat writer on the team. This is, this is lousy stuff. Yeah, if you're comparing it to the NBA, all that's missing is a this league. All right. I'm going to do my level best to not lose my mind here. I have some audio here from the Blowhard Hour, also known as the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, who must be on some sort of work release program to have to do this with Bedard. But um, I'll play the audio. Um, I've been laughing about this for a week and I couldn't wait to play this for you guys. Here it is. Uh, the next nugget, nugget number three, uh, this should not surprise people. According to what you've heard, beefing up the defensive line will be a priority, Greg. Yeah. And this, this Ugh. Nick, and I wrote about, I wrote a column on this the other day. Um, and basically I wrote that before talking to anybody around the Patriots. And then they were like, you were absolutely right. Uh, you know, on what you wrote, uh, you know, a lot of it has shut the fuck up they let him know that he was right he was onto it spoiler almost the coach anyone with a functioning frontal lobe could tell that they needed to upgrade the defensive line last year some scarcity i'm going to back off i'm going to hit i'm going to hit mute and i'm going to let you um lead the discussion on this one because i'm going to do the clavin shake dot gif Oh, well, I'm just going to uh, I'm just going to crib uh, shamelessly from the uh, BSMW board, who uh, brought up this one of our one of our dear friends there brought up this great point. Hang on, let me find it. Funny for all of Bedard's supposed sources telling him that Jimmy is Plan A, no one broke the Trent Brown trade to him. How about that? He they were has all no sources in the building, outside the building, around the building, in the lighthouse, none. Suffolk it's, County, Norfolk County, uh, Plymouth yeah. County, wherever, hyper-locally, zero sources. He is a pathological liar. I, I mean, I've been laughing about that for a week, Dan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Poor guy needs the pats on the back. I kind of wanted to see him uh, get hired as a scout or whatever it was, the, the role there, just to see how that would work out. It would, it would, it's kind of like uh, Bill Simmons getting hired as somebody's general manager somewhere. He wanted to be like, what, the Timberwolves general manager back in the day? Yeah, it was, it was actually, if you think about it, I hate to give any uh, praise to California Bill, but that was kind of a genius way of building his brand and making himself an NBA insider. John and I have talked a lot about Simmons, but... That can be another subject for another time. John, um, go ahead. Bedard, go ahead. Oh, it's, I mean, it really, look, I'm going to try to say something nice, try to keep it kind of fair and balanced here. The, the, the most interesting points, I watched that entire uh, podcast, right? Or that, you know, whatever Zoom call that they do with his partner, Nick. And, and the best points on that podcast are made by Nick. Like Nick is, Nick is the brains of that operation. I don't know why they call it the Greg Bedard podcast. I mean, Nick is, Nick, Nick is seems like a like a he's, he you know, seems like a, a decent a decent he, dude. He does. He seems like a decent dude. So I'm like, what are you what are you doing here? You're making good points. There, there's actually a really funny moment in, in the podcast where Nick makes this really good point, and Bedard's speechless because it's like, wow, something really salient was said. Here and I don't know how to respond to it. It's supposed anyway. to be an insight free podcast, <laughs> but, but Cattles actually brings something to the table. Are you saying I'm gonna... carrying Bedard like he's, you know, world's strongest man, Magnus per Magnuson? <laughs> <laughs> let's let's put it this way. I would say Nick is opening holes, and all 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 Bedard has to be is Sony Michelle, because anybody could do that. And and Greg is tripping over at the three-yard line and getting jumped on top of by Aaron Donald. I mean, it's it is just it it is an awful, it's an it's a it's an awful thing to listen to. But that poor kid who's stuck with Bedard, like I hope this is his unpaid internship. We know it's his unpaid internship if he's working with Greg. So I hope it's his unpaid <laughs> internship and he can segue it into something that is that you know pays him a living wage and in, in no in no long, you know, in very quick order, I hope. 
Uh, good point. I'm going to actually call it audible here because I'm going through the bookmarks that I have. Um, and we kind of, we, we discussed this. Uh, this is where we miss having, being able to see your picture on this because I figure you're waving your arms like Peyton right now. Uh, like, like, big Jim, like big Jim Murray, you know, large gymnasium. Um, do we want to talk about Upton Bell? Because I don't want to get, Upton's a, a, an octogenarian um, at, at minimum. Uh, dad, uh, dad, John, uh, dad calls Upton Uptown and it's, uh, it's always stuck with me. That's neither here nor there. Well, dad, dad, dad drank with Upton, you know, I mean, dad talked about drinking with Upton, you know, and, and dad, the you know, season ticket holder for many, many years back in the, Upton, when Upton Bell was running the team, uh, you know, that's, I, I have a soft spot. And doing a bang Upton. up job. <laughs> yeah, well, well, who's what's what's worse, being the family that kept paying for those season tickets or the guy that was running the team? The the you know, I, I have a soft spot for Upton because he reminds me of dad's worst tendencies, right? The, the oh, dad, God, that, yeah. you know, the, the dad that many of us grew up with who really did get caught up in the negativity and, and kind of wallowed in it. Um, you know, Upton, Upton ha gives off that and I can't, I can't quite give it up, you know, as, as, as awful as his Twitter feed is sometimes and as ridiculous it is, as it is, I can't quite give it up because it reminds me of home. I just can't quit you. So yep. I don't want, I really don't want to throw shade at an octogenarian and who knows if Upton's in his, in his, all his faculties are working correctly or how many old fashions he's had when he goes on tweet storms at night. But this one, this made me laugh. Um, this is Upton's tweet from February 26th. Uh, Jack, everybody I hired at the Patriots went on to become either a GM or personnel director. Draft picks John Hanner and Sam Cunningham, among others. Thank you. Spoiler, Upton did not draft John Hanna or Sam Cunningham. Uh, it, it, let's, we shouldn't make Upton a punching bag here. The, the others are fair game, but I Oh, I remember listening to him on calling all sports back in the day. Now he was crazy. Then add 35 years to it. It's <laughs> he, I, I believe that he believes he drafted John Hanner and Sam Cunningham for the record. Well, I mean, he believes that, you know, the operation he was running was on par or better than Bill Belichick's. I mean, I think he had a tweet similar to that effect uh, recently. It was, who was it? Bucko Kilroy, his Bucko yeah. Kilroy tweet. I mean, his Bucko Kilroy tweet, you know, Bill Belichick could never, can't hold a candle to what Bucko Kilroy did. I mean, come on, you know, got, I, like I said, I'm with you. I'm never punching down on a guy in his eighties. Uh, I got respect for, for his legacy in the league, you know, the, the, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, come on. It, it's, uh, it, I, I follow him for, for the, for the kicks and the laughs, not for the content. Well, to never it, I, I gotta say it's, it, it's telling you go to the Wikipedia entry on him and the, Three-word description, the three-word Precy's description is Bert Bell's son. To be Not 80 wrong. and for that to be your uh, the descriptor for you, that's uh, that's telling. Like he's, you know, like he's one of those, you know, extant, uh, you know, uh, living great-grandsons of uh, Franklin Pierce or whoever the uh, president is that still has grandsons somehow around. Is Upton the original thanks, Dad? Well, you know, it's it's funny. I, if if Upton's bitter about anything, you've got a thanks dad running the league, and I'm sure Upton thinks if it, if the cards had just broken right for him, he too could have been NFL commissioner. I mean, you can't look at Roger Goodell and think, you know, it takes a lot to get that job, other than connections. Upton had connections. Why couldn't he have been NFL commissioner? That's that's enough to make me bitter right there. Um, true, uh, Dan. Makes your you take think. on Upton. Oh, I'm right with you guys. I was saying earlier, we know that he never mailed it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm in the middle of uh, of Thornton's book now, and um, let me tell you something, Upton. The buck does not stop at Upton's GM desk. I'll tell you, he threw the secretary under the bus. He threw everybody in the Patriots all that office on Com Ave under the bus. What well, you know, it wasn't me. Well, how am I supposed to know? I'm supposed to send out. Uh, a letter to have their contracts toll and the entire roster became free agents. Can you even, that's worse than uh, Haywood Sullivan with the Red Sox forgetting to mail the contracts for Fisk and Lynn and making them free agents back in the day. That's something that uh, uh, dad would rail on back in the day. I want to go back um, um, Kern's piece, which we just, just discussed. And I have to, 
full disclosure, I vouched. Mark Dondero, who I, full disclosure, I like. I think he's, he came on the podcast. He was fantastic. Um, probably one of my, the, my, my personal favorites of the podcast that we've done. He trampolined off of Curran's piece uh, on March 8th. Quote, this is his tweet. Great questions in here for Belichick. We just went over the questions, so spoiler, they weren't great. Dondero, I jump in with, are you concerned your unwillingness to actually answer press conference questions will have different consequences if you're not winning? Face palm. Jesus, pole vaulting, Christ. What is he talking about, Scarzi? It's like they're, you know, unwilling to uh, concede that uh, the 2020 season was a season like any other in, you know, 15, 16, 27, however many different aspects you'd, you'd like to go with on that. Uh, if, if, any, uh, if any season deserves a mulligan, I think it's uh, that one. Uh, this isn't... This Agreed. is like the, this is, it, 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 it's its own thing. Black swan, whatever the, you know, most appropriate term is, it, it applies. Yeah, I think it's, it's like there's a, there's an alternate reality pod that the media lives in and it's, it's insular and they, it's, it's kind of like they can't see the forest for the trees. They don't have a, a, a larger view in this sort of thing. And it's all about them and validate me and and inform me and give it to me um again i liked on dare i thought this dan i thought this was idiotic i don't think he's gaslighting us i think he truly believes it you know listening to the interview you did with him i liked him too he was self-deprecating but you know he's going along for the ride with yep. everybody else with this uh i i honestly can't explain it either no John, Don, I vouched. I vouched, and, I, and I'll take the L on this one. Um, all right, go ahead, you smug jerk. Go ahead, take <laughs> no, your no, 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 not a victory lap. Not a victory lap. I, I, uh, I, I also enjoyed him as a guest uh, on the show. I thought he was really great, and I got a soft spot for the young guys who are hustling. You know, they're not making a lot of money, right? They're doing it. They, they love the business. They want to get into business. And I think they get This is into, why you're standing for Nick Cavs. I, I, I am. I am. I, I, I'm soft on the young guys. That's a vouch. That's a vouch. I, I'm soft on the young guys who, who are trying to like carve their own niche, right? But I think at some point you get to a fork in the road. It's like everything you need to know about life you learned in the high school cafeteria, right? And on at one table, you've got the, the shanks and the borges and the felchers and, and those guys, those guys are all at that table and, you know, they're, they're whatever, you know, whatever they're doing. And then you got the table with like the Jeff Howe and the Mike Reese and those guys are getting 4.0s and they're doing something with their lives. And, you know, they've, they've got real potential, but maybe they're considered a little bit, you know, kind of on the, on the nerdier side. And then you've got a guy, you know, the young guy coming in sees those two tables and, and makes the choice, which way he's going to go. And I don't want you to get the L on this, Mike. I want, I don't want you to, to, you know, be wrong on this vouch. I want them there to choose the right table, you know, go down the path of seriousness and, and good content. Don't get drawn into that loser table, you know, the, the people that are poking fun at everybody else, but haven't accomplished anything, right. Except be on the hall of fame voting committee. Right. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to see the young guys go that path. Right. There's a, there's a bunch of young guys in the Boston media. And I think they're at that intersection a little bit. I want them to choose the right path. Right. When I go back home, I, I won't turn on 98.5 on on the weekends or even during the day because that's I'm on record 98.5 is hearing aids there's there's just no doubt about it it's radio for masochists Dondero was a decent dude he didn't have to give listen I'm, again I'm biased he gave us his time he was good I just listen it's a vouch does is doesn't mean you vouch for everything he does so that's um that's neither here nor there. Any last thoughts on Dondero, Mr. Scartello? Well, I don't think uh, game's not over yet. I don't think you've gotten the L yet. And uh, to borrow a phrase, you know, Hirohito had an early lead too. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, another gorgeous classic. Um, so Dondero, I, I don't regret my vouch, but 
please. We're going to revisit this. Um, Mike, we're going to revisit this. You're on the hook. You're, you're hanging on the hook on this vouch for a period of time. We're going to revisit it. Just like the Patriots 2018 yeah, draft class. Well, we will revisit your cattle's vouch as well. It's, it's, he's Bedard adjacent. Oh, I'm not sure I, that I, I, I know. It's, I'm, I'm out there with. That's, a, there. that's the proverbial bad look. <laughs> I'm out there with cattle's and Sam Darnold. That's, a, that's a maybe two, two strikes I can't get over. Oh, yeah. Your man love for Darnold. <laughs> uh, we'll go over that, I'm sure, around draft time and after free agency next week. Um, revisiting our quarterback uh, discussion from the last podcast. Dak Prescott signed a four-year, $164 million contract. At, at any rate, it comes out to $40 million a year, although with the cap um, the, the cap gyrations that they're doing, they're actually going to save fifteen, a uh, little over $15 million against the cap this year with proration and dummy years at the end of the contract. So um, team building. Dallas certainly builds their team a lot different than the Patriots, John. Um what are your impressions of the Prescott contract? It's, I mean, he's coming off a, a devastating injury to boot. Well, I mean, two things. They build their team uh, the way I think a lot of mediates would like to see I heard the him. Patriots built, right? Uh, you know, it's very star heavy, uh, no depth. And crazy things happen in the NFL. Guys get hurt. I don't know if anybody's like aware of this, right? But guys get hurt in the NFL. And if a that's star the general two, sense inside the building, that, that's, I can confirm. And, uh, you know, when a couple of big, big names lose, you know, lose some time, that depth gets exposed and, you know, Dallas, I mean, I know Dallas has won a lot of Super Bowls in the last few years, you know, they've, they've got a wonderful track record with what they're doing, but you know, the, the, so putting, putting that aside, the, the way that Dallas builds their team is, is the exact wrong way to run a franchise. Jerry Jones is running his team the exact wrong way to do it and has been pretty much since Jimmy Johnson left. Now you look at that contract and it's to Dan's point from the last pod, you know, that the, the existence of franchise quarterbacks and what constitutes a franchise quarterback. Is he a franchise quarterback because he's a transcendent talent or is he a franchise quarterback because his contract's up and you don't have the guts to go another direction. You're instead going to max out so that he's now the second highest paid player in the league. And I think a lot of people would have a maybe not in the top 10 quarterbacks, right? You know, can you, can you build a sustainable winner when you have a, a average to above average quarterback making, you know, taking up, you know, 20% of your, your salary cap, you know, yeah, can you a, do that? There's a cause and effect with that. And it's, it's right in front of my face here living in the Pacific Northwest. When Russell Wilson was on his rookie deal, the Seahawks had, I believe it was the highest, uh, percentage of cap allocated to their offensive line when Russell got his second and then third contract they've gone to the bottom of that list where they're not spending any money on their offensive line they're 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 doing what the Patriots have done with the Stephen Neal's of the world and and David Andrews of the world but they haven't been nearly as successful even though the Seahawks as a on the whole have been pretty good Dan you love to do deep dives in this sort of thing and the contract stuff and team building it's really your thing. What are your impressions with the Dak stuff? And it really kind of has some repercussions um, with the Patriots still searching for a quarterback. It's kind of trickle down economics uh, with the Patriots vis-a-vis the Dak deal. I think it's a mistake. I, I just what you're saying. You can't uh, invest 20% of your cap to that one player. If you're, especially if you're not certain that this is a transcendent player. Um you were just talking about the Seahawks. I think they really hit the jackpot in a lot of ways early early on because they found all those um, perfect storm. All those all those young players in fifth round, so they're all playing on these rookie deals, whether it was Richard Sherman or or uh, Chancellor, uh, and of, of course Wilson with a, as a third round pick. And then it, so they had that brief brief window um, that they have to make the best of. And as soon as those guys come to get paid that's when everything changes. And that's, I think that's going to be the reality in, in the NFL. The, uh, the Patriots were the outlier to this, uh, the ability to still stay successful in a league right. that punishes success and promotes no, that's, parity. That's very true. I, to John's point earlier, the Patriots have more Super Bowl victories this century than the Cowboys have playoff wins, which seems absurd when you, they label themselves and promote themselves as America's team. Uh, Scartelli, any, uh, any thoughts on Dak Prescott? I heard of him. <laughs> Evidently. Uh, yes, yes. And uh, it's, 
I don't see as many uh don't see as many uh cowboy starter jackets in the area as I did uh, twenty years previous. It's it's uh, no Emmett Smith jerseys, no Troy Aikman uh, hoodies, that sort of thing. No, I don't. Uh, so I hope they if they know what they're doing, then you know. If they think they know what they're doing, good luck to them down there. And uh, to borrow another, uh, you know, sports uh, sports accounting phrase, it's not my money. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, John. Well, I just, you know, going back to Dan's point too, you look at if they're not a transcendent talent, you look at what's up, what's on, on deck with the Browns, the Bills, and the Ravens. I mean, I think those are three very interesting situations. The Bills, obviously, with what they got with Josh Allen last year, you know, they, they probably feel a degree of confidence that they could make that sort of investment in Josh Allen and get their money's worth. But I think the, the Browns and the Ravens, you know, uh, you know, is Lamar Jackson a franchise quarterback? You know, I mean, I know he won MVP. I know he's, he's a, an electrifying Unanimous talent. MVP. Uh, but, but can, you know, do you really, do you want to pay Lamar Jackson 40 million a year over four mm. years? You know, I mean, it, it's, that it, it, you know, this, I just don't know that, it's, it's a very interesting test. And I think, again, Bill Belichick, one thing I love about the way the Patriots have done business is they don't get caught up in what the rest of the league is doing. They set the trend for the rest of the league. So right now the trend is, you know, putting $40 million a year into your quarterback. You're going to see a number of guys at that number, I suspect, by this time next year. The Patriots won't have a guy at that number. And maybe that makes the Patriots stronger. You know, maybe the Patriots are better off because unless you have a guy like Pat Mahomes, who is truly, I think, a, you know, a really a transcendent talent, you know, even on the on the fr- early fringe of his prime, you know, short of that, I think you've got uh, you've got a situation where, to Dan's point from the last podcast, is that era of franchise quarterbacks, has it waned? You know, should it wane? Are you better off with a mid-level talent making reasonable money so you can assemble a wonderful team yeah. around them? Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the other the, one of the things that's real trendy right now is the idea of like, you know, running the football is inefficient and throwing the ball is efficient and winning teams throw the ball, you know, and it's, it's just a generally speaking, a bad idea to run the ball. I don't subscribe to that. I don't think Bill Belichick subscribes to that. And I think there's an opportunity here with the guy whose game plan is in the Hall of Fame for shutting down the K gun, right. which nobody could shut down. Right. That Bill Belichick's building a team to counter this era of inefficiency around running the ball, right? He is going to make running the ball efficient again. And, and that's, that's a theory that I've been thinking about. I know you said, you know, Dan, I know you think about these sorts of things all the time too. You know, they're, they're the Trent Brown trade, you know, the fact that they've got maybe the best offensive line in football, you know, they're going to assemble a team, I think around that sort of identity. And they're and going versatile. to make, those, make, all those guys are versatile too. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. And, and I think they're going to bludgeon people. So we'll see what happens. Well, defenses, and I've made this point um, several times, is that defenses are lighter because they're, they're geared to stop the pass. And as we saw, even we saw it last year with a quarterback who was a bounce pass enthusiast, the way they could control the game when things were going right, running the football and helping their defense by keeping the ball away from the other team. Um, getting back to the percentage of the salary cap argument regarding the quarterback, Bob Kraft is great at spinning his own narrative and painting himself in the best possible light. But Kraft is on record as having had a conversation with Tom Brady directly early last decade regarding they can't pay him more than X percentage of the salary cap. And it was a team building thing. And that, that's neither here nor there. I, I, I think they'll stay in that vein. Um, that's obviously something they do philosophically. Um, the, the example, I think, as we talked about last time, and again, not to belabor the point, about the second contract, I think the Browns, ironically, I think the Browns are kind of sneakily, sneakily uh, been well run the last couple of years. They, Paul D. Podesta, um, the analytics guy who started out with the Oakland A's of Moneyball fame, D. Podesta is a huge analytics guy, obviously. And I'll be curious to see if they have – the Browns had a good season last year. They went into Kansas city. They were, they went toe to toe with them in the divisional round. And I'll be curious to see if they try to keep Mayfield's. I think we can all agree. Mayfield's Mayfield's fine. He's fine. He's a good quarterback. He's not probably in anyone's top five, top 10 arbitrary numbers. I'll be curious to see if the Browns um, 
will be the first team to kind of boldly turn over the quarterback position. It is the most important. It's, it's such a conundrum, right? Because it's the most important position in the game. It's not even close on the field. And, you know, the cap allocation thing, it's a good argument. It's You could have it all day. Mahomes is a transcendent talent. But, uh, Scarty, any thoughts on that? Um, I think, uh, think of, I, 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 I defer my time to our, you know, other esteemed colleagues here. They've, uh, <laughs> they've done a good job on that. Yeah. Dan, D- Dan, the Mayfield thing, do you buy that? Yeah. Well, actually just what John was saying earlier, I think those three teams, the, the Browns, the, the Bills and the Ravens, they're going to put our theory to the test because there's going to be an immense public pressure to re-sign those guys because the yeah. public identifies with them. They're the face of the team in all three cases for the most part. Right. And we have this theory on this is a smart way to run a football team. And we're, we're going to see whether that happens. I'm right with you. What, what would Di Podesta do in that, that situation? Because if he, if he doesn't resign them, the backlash is going to be enormous. But right. we believe it's going to be the smart thing to do. Right. The last Browns quarterback to lead them to the playoffs was Oregon State alum Derek Anderson. Can you imagine being handcuffed to Derek Anderson with a huge contract? If you have to get rid of him, it's going to be an enormous cap hit along the lines of what the Seahawks are looking at um, with potentially trading Russell Wilson. And they're already up against it anyway. They had to the Seahawks just cut a defensive end who had a huge impact for them last season and helping them make the playoffs and Carlos Dunlop, they had to cut him. They gave him a draft pick to get him for maybe just seven games. And then they wind up cutting him because the, the cap's been managed. I don't want to say poorly, but they're up. They're certainly up against it as were the Patriots last season when they took on uh, the extra money after the, the, the voidable years in the Brady contract. Uh, anything else you guys want to discuss? Well, John. I'm confused. I'm confused by what you just said because I'm under the impression that the cap is crap. So I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand that teams have to cut players because of a salary cap that's that doesn't exist. So, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry what happened in Seattle. Every team should be like the Saints, apparently. Uh, that can be, you know, seventy million dollars uh, in the uh, in the red, yet they're able to put seventeen bogus void years on the back end of contracts to prorate the signing bonuses across, you know, a decade and a half. I don't know. They're, they're, they're working some voodoo down in new Orleans, uh, you know, being able to feel the team. Albert Greer uh, gave Saints GM Mickey Loomis a nuts, an epic nut scrubbing today after they, they pulled some cap cap uh, shenanigans. Um, I will say, you know, they, they may be onto something. I've been, I've been trying to, really understand what's what's ahead with the cap right not just this year everybody knows this year and is is dicey but the way it's smoothed out right so the way that the cap is smoothed out going forward um I, i'm not going to get into all the nuts and bolts here but the the cap is going to increase obviously in 2022 but it can increase as much as it it theoretically should because it's smoothed out over the next few years based on how, how far the cap would have gone down if not for this smoothing in the out years, right? The cap would be down at like 150 million, I think, if they didn't reach an agreement with the, with the Players Association to keep the, the cap maybe artificially high this year mm-hmm. so that it doesn't, you know, massively increase in 2022, 2023, at which point that new TV deal is going to be right. made. Right? That's what's looming so over I, this. Right. So I, I do think there's some interesting shenanigans you can do around signing bonuses and out years because the cap is is going to get um, it's not going to be artificially constrained in 2024. Right. So you can I think you will see teams being very creative with those bogus void years into that 2024, 2025 time frame to like account the for like the DAC deal. Right. So, you know, I think that, you know, I, again, this is where I, I put a lot of faith in the things I don't know about the Patriots because of how well they've done the things that I can see. Right. So I can see a team that is winning all the time, winning all these division titles, going all these Super Bowls. I can see all that. I'm assuming behind the scenes, they also have the right mix of talent that is figuring all this out and they're going to artfully apply the cap space they have and put an outstanding team on the field in September. Right. I'm expecting that. I'm expecting all these shenanigans that Mickey Loomis is able to do. You know, the Patriots aren't oblivious to that. You know, they're figuring all these things out as well. 
and they're going to use the the cap space they have and they're going to be really efficient and creative with it. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enthusiastic about it. If you can't tell, I think there's some really cool things ahead, which is why the media gaslighting in this town about how incompetent they are and, you know, the accountability and Bill's got some splaining to do, you know, it's like, come on, come on, you know, this team, this team is going to be absolutely reared and ready to go uh, in the fall. I think that it's, the Mickey Loomis example, Mickey Loomis is clearly tickling the nuts of the national and local media down there. You've never heard a discouraging word about him. I wanted to make the point that the Saints haven't, the Saints have been to one NFC championship game in the last five years. They haven't exactly been lighting the world on fire. They're a good football team. They've been a good football team, but you know what they've had to do, what they've had to do and they, their bloodletting is coming this year. And they still, they're in a situation very similar to the Patriots. They don't have a quarterback. And they don't have much salary cap room. It's the bloodletting is coming in New Orleans this year, Dan. Are you saying Taysom Hill's not a quarterback? <laughs> not for not from what I saw. But neither was Cam Newton. Those in glass houses uh, shouldn't bounce past stones. Scarzi, you got a it's the uh, the your, your weekly piece going up on the 15net.com this week. It will be going up. Uh... Perhaps Wednesday, perhaps Thursday. It's all the, all very situationally dependent. But uh, you'll find it at uh, the fifteen netcom the uh, the weekly uh, cleaning out of the uh, sports junk drawer. There you go, uh, Dan. Do you have anything you want to hit on before we? You know, uh, I think we. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up Bedard's um, mention of Sony Michelle. Oh. <laughs> the the Sony Michelle thing. I, listen, I. My feelings on Sony Michelle are very well known. He's he was a plug and play guy from day one. He could pick up the blitz. He's an elite at ball security. Sony Michelle, they don't win the Super Bowl in 2018 without Sony Michelle. And for him to say, and I'm not going to go on a rant. I'm not going to go on a rant. I'm okay. I'm going on a rant. For him to not to, to again gaslighting get your entitled town bingo card out. I'm going to use the word gaslighting for the 74th time today. The lack of understanding, he gets supposedly income from offering insight and analysis of football games. He, offer, he, he doesn't demonstrate any knowledge of the sport he, he allegedly covers. Sony Michelle, they don't win the Super Bowl about Sony Michelle. And again, I'm repeating myself. It is, it is the height of... I don't, I don't even have the word. It's just Sony Michelle's a good player on the, was a good player on the best team in 2018. Like you should repeat what he wrote. It was something along the lines of any running back could do that. I, that, 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 that was the quote. That was what he said. I mean, it's almost as if football is a complimentary game. The line has to open holes for the running back to go through. The running back has to gain the yards and hold on to the football and pick up a blitz. I mean, that is, that's such fourth grade level analysis. And it's, it's, I, he, he believes this, this shit that he spews. I, you know, what struck me on that, Dan, is the disrespect, you know, I mean, it's just, these are pro athletes, you know, this Sony, what Sony Michelle has accomplished as a, as a young athlete to go through playing college football in the sec to playing for the Patriots, to winning a super bowl, the contributions he makes to the team, you know, it's not running through a wide open hole that, you know, the offensive line created to score the, the touchdown in the Super Bowl. It's all those carries leading up to it, all that work leading up to it, running those hills in training camp, winning the job, you know, doing all the things necessary in the film room. It's so disrespectful, right? This is a, this is a guy who is at, you know, kind of the, the 1% of the 1% when it comes to, you know, professional athletes and when it comes to like, you know, fitness and intelligence and, you know, all these things. And for him to just dismiss his contributions, like any running back can do it. I just, I found that so contemptible that, you know, this is a guy who, who can't seem to hold down a job with a newspaper anymore, got, you know, run out of Vegas before he even got started for whatever reason. You're you know, welcome. Now, he's, now he's blogging, you know, he's blogging and complaining and second guessing Bill Belichick and talking about these pro athletes, like anybody can do it. I just, I, I thought that was that left a real sour taste in my mouth. I didn't like it at all. I'm going to turn the clock back quickly to the uh, the year 2017 when they signed Stefan Gilmore. That was 2019 NFL Defensive Player of the Year, Stefan Gilmore. Um, he struggled a little bit at the uh, 
the first part of his first season with the Patriots. Bedard went on and danced from the Felcher and Maz show and, and, and went on and on dismissively about Gilmore and claiming that he wasn't, he was he mumbled in his press conferences. And that was part of his issue was communication because he mumbled to the Knights of the keyboard, the arrogance, the smarm and the spugness from that asshole can't be comp cannot be computed by earthly terms, by earthly equations. It can't be done. He can, he is not to be taken seriously. End of story, period, end of sentence. It could be simply that uh, he's jealous that Sony draws a paycheck from the Patriots organization and he doesn't. I, I would have, we got, we got some Intel uh, about 18 months ago that Bedard applied for a job in the scouting department with the Patriots. Now, even with the story that's that may break this week, but the, the lawsuit regarding Brett Bielema, that the Patriots pay their low-level employees $15,000, I'd wager that's $15,000 more than for the, the four mortgage enthusiast has out there in hyperlocal Medway. I thought um, we liked unpaid internships. I thought that was the, the right thing for uh, the sports guys to like. Yeah, that's the Nick Cattles Memorial unpaid <laughs> internship over there with almost the coach. But we're, uh, Birdie, Birdie was probably. Uh, listen, Birdie covers the whole league, bro, in urine. All right, John. Anything else before we wrap up? Well, yeah, I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to Jeff Howe for dunking on Felcher uh, oh, on put him, Twitter. Give him a body bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I mean, we all love Jeff. He's running a serious operation right for the Athletic, and you know, is about the content and is about storytelling and is about all the things that sports media and sports journalism, in my opinion, should be about. And, you know, because of that, he gets denigrated by the radio guys as being part of some, you know, uh, Patriots media cabal, or I can't remember Patriots the exact media term. cartel. Cartel, there you go. We, we know the, the something about cartel, Scarcy. I take exception to that. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the Pats media cartel, uh, Jeff Howe, a charter member, obviously, along with Mike Reese and, you know, a couple other, you know, the other handful, a small handful of people that are literate to cover the team. And you've got, you know, radio guys dunking on him because he does a good job that he takes pride in his work. I mean, come on. Well, you he's know? pissing off. He's, he's making all the right people uh, upset, which is for me, that's a, that's a check mark in his favor. Yep. Um, and it comes back. So Jeff Howe tweeted earlier today, this is in response to Michael Felger calling him a quote, Patriots media cartel member on 98.5. By the way, Michael Felger, that's the show that almost the coach Bedard goes and dances for every week. So nice, nice way to associate your brand and, and denigrate your alleged colleagues, even though for the Splendor enthusiasts for the Boston Sports Journal. So here's the, uh, here's Howe's tweet. Quote, Felger admitted he used to write anything to stay in the team's good graces. Unfortunately, that's jaded him on a group of beat writers he's never bothered to get to know. I don't, I just don't understand why he attacks us as people. Guess it shows his own lack of character. Zing. I mean, that is, that is Viagra for the soul right there. Just short, concise, to the point and cutting. Yep. Yep. And, and I'm glad, you know, I'm, I'm glad Jeff's not taking it. You know, I'm, I, you know, sometimes the, the theory is you don't respond to people and, and kind of amplify their own comments about you. You just kind of let that stuff go and, you know, keep your head down, do a good job. But in this case, and, and honestly, I'd like to see the Patriots do a little bit more of this as an organization, you know, respond to this garbage, you know, don't let it go. Don't let it just sit out there. Uh, you know, you're paying attention. You, you know, you, you're doing a great job, Jeff Howe, writing for the athletic and, and all that work. So I'm glad you're, you're shooting back at that and not letting this stuff go unanswered. Yeah. And in both stations have done it to both, um, to both Howe and Reese. So He's in good company in that regard. Uh, we have a listener email, and this one is directed at, uh, I think this is for you, Mr. Scarcelli. This is from Gabby. She wants to know if you consider yourself in sports. I am adjacent to being in sports, I think. All right, that's fair I hope enough. that answers your question. All right, or doesn't. The, the email address is entitledtown at gmail.com. The Twitter account is at Entitletown. Uh, Patrick Scartelli is at Pat Scartell. 
Dan, you are at Patriots Daily on Twitter. And John is the uh, at the originally named That John Irons. Gentlemen, thank you very, very much. Anything else before we wrap up one last time? Not here. They're not the best color men in the league for nothing, folks. Um, free agency is going to be starting next week, so we'll try to get together then. Um, so thanks to John. Thanks to Dan. Thanks to Patrick. And in closing, as always, turn off your radios. And we're going to stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm going to succumb to negativity, you're wrong. you got the wrong guy leading this basketball team.